If you're still deciding on your spring break getaway, Amtrak's got just the ticket. You can visit cities from D.C. and Philly to New York and Boston, all while enjoying more sustainable travel. Amtrak produces up to 83% less carbon emissions than traveling by car or plane. And did we mention the extra legroom and comfy seats? Book early and save at Amtrak.com. Click or tap the banner. Emissions comparisons vary depending on route and locomotive type. Restrictions may apply. And here we go, everybody. Thank you for being here. Uh, Brian O'Shea is our guest today. He's an intelligence analyst, private investigator, COO of Centurion Intelligence Partners. We're going to talk to him a little bit about various topics. We need to catch up with him once in a while. Uh, we're also going to welcome Justin Goodman in after a little bit to talk. Um, he, has a pro he has a social group called White Coat Waste, and uh, amongst other things, uh, he was going to talk about, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm just rushing in here. We were, I was over at your mom's house and had to find my way in. Oh yeah. The new director of the NIH and some concerns about, uh, what's going on there. Uh, and I want to hear his thoughts. So we also will be watching you guys on the restream and of course it's over on the rumble rants. So uh, let's get right to it. If you're trying to figure our laws, as it pertains to substances, are draconian and bizarre. The psychopaths start this way. He was an alcoholic because of social media and pornography, PTSD, love addiction, fentanyl and heroin. Ridiculous. I'm a, I'm a doctor for <laughs> sake. Where the hell you think I learned that? I'm just saying. You go to treatment before you kill people. I am a clinician. I observe things about these chemicals. Let's just deal with what's real. We used to get these calls on Loveline all the time. Educate adolescents and to prevent and to treat. If you have trouble, you can't stop and you want to help stop it. I can help. I got a lot to say. I got a lot more to say. Thanksgiving is almost here, which means it's time for the best Genucel sale of the year. Just in time for the holidays, save over 60% off both of our personally tailored Genucel skincare packages at genucel.com drew so you can look your very best at all of your Thanksgiving gatherings. Look 10, 15, 20 years younger, guaranteed with the best natural skincare anywhere. Take advantage of Genucel's best sale of the year and say goodbye to fine lines, crow's feet, puffiness, and dark spots. The Genucel experience is like no other, but don't take my word for it. You will look and feel your absolute best or your money back, no questions asked. So for results in 12 hours or less, Genucel's immediate effects is included for free. Plus, if you go to genucel.com drew now, you'll get a free upgrade to priority shipping. That is genucel.com drew, G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com slash drew. Welcome back, everybody. As I said, Brian O'Shea in here in just a moment. We're going to talk a little bit about violent mobs and how they get activated. Uh, he's got some thoughts about that. As I said, Brian, of course, is an intelligence analyst. And then we're going to talk to from White Coat Waste Project. Um, let me get his, our guest name. Give me a second. As I said, I'm a little bit addled because of uh, the circumstance of today, I was a few, well, I wasn't even late, just the weather here is terrible, and I had to rush across town to get to the studio, and I was over at your mom's house. Justin Goodman is our guest, and we're going to talk a little bit about National Institute of Health and the leadership there, as well as some of his concerns about, uh, as usual, the coziness between regulators and uh, the pharmaceutical industry. So let's bring in our friend Brian O'Shea. Welcome, Brian. Hi, thanks for having me. Good to see you again. 
Good to see you too. So, you know, when I was in college, we were raising a big stink about the fact that the college was invested in South Africa during the times of uh, apartheid. And we actually took over our administration building and it became like a few seconds of national news. But I bring it up for this reason. Uh, I went to the, whatever it was, rally, you know, to see what was going on. And I was blown away that at this rally that had started maybe six hours before, it's had some news and press associated with it. It was 1978 or something. And there were communist organizations, socialist organizations, Marxist organizations, adults there. Like we were college kids, but there were all these adults passing out flyers and pamphlets and there were hundreds of people there that were not associated with the college or even with this particular concern we had with apartheid. How did they find out about it even? So where does this happen that mobs get activated? What is the, what is the, and these days, of course, with social media, the distribution, the information distribution must be that much more uh, efficient. How does this happen? Um, well, that's a that's a great question. I can't really speak for your rally, uh, but of late we've seen some. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would imagine it was through the, your chambers of commerce and local unions probably helped get that organized. Very, very actually. The wait, way wait a minute. Wait, 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 I, me. wait. It was it was just students spontaneously complaining about the college being invested in South Africa. It was just divest South Africa because we're objecting to apartheid. And it, it was an unplanned, spontaneous event. Mm -hmm. And suddenly a bunch of communist uh, uh, information distributors showed up. It, I, I'll never forget it. I was like, where did these guys come from? They were not from New England. We were in New England at the time. <laughs> well, I'm from New England and uh, that weird? blows my mind to know that there were, yes, uh, definitely. So back then, I'm not really sure what the network was. In today's world, it's a yeah. lot easier. And so we all probably About. saw how quickly these, uh, you know, ceasefire, Gaza, you know, free Palestine just popped up. But if you really look at the pattern of the, you know, the pre-made signs, the pre-made t-shirts, that's what blows a lot of people away. Like, how do they do that? Well, in the course of researching the Ruth sent us SCOTUS 6 uh, protest when Roe v. Wade was kicked down to the States about a year ago, I discovered several of these networks or like uh, organization platforms. And the two that come to mind were actionnetwork.org and opencollective.com. So essentially what happens is for $10 a month up to $100 a month, you can get a membership. You can load up a whole bunch of uh, contacts. You can load up your um, patterns for t-shirts, your prototypes. And then you can actually organize from anywhere in the world a protest however you want it, including linking in with Uber rides and making sure your designs get to the local uh, print shop so people can pick up their signs and their T-shirts huh. and their banners. And you can even DoorDash your protesters from the same platform. What... I, I'm a little confused. I mean, is this just a sort of a platform or is it a motivated organization that has a point of view? 
it's definitely a motivated organization that has a point of view. So, and speaking okay. for Action Network, because when I <clears throat> filled out an application for a protest I don't have, I just wanted to see how it worked. Um, one of the questions on the application is, are you a progressive organization? And that really struck me. Mm. How did people find out about this? Do you think? You know, that's, that's a really, that's a really good question. That one, I don't know. Um, they don't really do a lot of advertising. They're easy to find, but you will find the way I found them was I just followed the donation links and those will lead you to things uh, like action network, like open collective. When you get an email back from these, because a lot of the fundraising is done through there and you can have multiple actions, uh, just as one person, you could be running 10 protests on different topics simultaneously. And all that money comes right into you, uh, right into your organization, because they also ask, uh, act as a uh, fiscal sponsor if you're not an actual nonprofit. And where did this start? Where did they come from? Well, what is their origin story? Well, the origin story for Action Network, it looks like it is, you know, it is backed by the, um, it's a, it's a nonprofit that's based in Washington, D.C. DC on L Street. It's been around probably for just under 10 years. And I think it looks like it did start as a legitimate, uh, we just want to help people get organized type tool. And I'm not saying that that's not still their intent. Um, what I will say, though, is they have, they're making a lot of money on these type of protests, and so are the vendors that they're partnered with. So it, you know, in their 990, which is still online, they do state that you know, a progressive organization that uh, helps you know, different causes or something like that enhance their ability to let their voices be heard. Um, mm. As far as how they started, it, it, they, they seem like they started the same way a lot of the tech companies started. Like, how can we take an existing thing and optimize it and amplify it and make money off of it? So without the protests, they wouldn't be making any money. So their lifeblood, if you will, is you have to have conflict in this type of industry to make any money. Is it, strictly speaking, a money-making operation or is there a, a philosophical, obviously as an orientation, but was it, was it a political organization to begin with and now, like many organizations, just starts focusing on making money also? Well, it was a nonprofit. So yeah, I mean, it was, you know, in DC. So yes, it was for, you know, all intents and purposes, a, a political action type organization. But I, I think, um, look, I'm, I'm skeptical. I'm from the intelligence world. I'm also, I've been a white collar crime investigator. I've never seen anything grow so big that was not done for money. And if they were yeah. just for money, I mean, if they were just for a cause, I don't think they would be charging kind of like a in-app purchase type model where it's constantly escalating. If you want this then you pay a little more, you pay a little more and it's a volume it. business, the yeah. more protests, more they make. 
so is this surprising to you? I mean, to me, it's like sort of stunning. Or is there a long history of this kind of thing? Is have they've had other? Maybe they haven't had this form, but there's been other. I mean, like I described back in New England in 1978, were there other? You know, before it was people on the phones or something. Is this is this kind of thing always mm -hmm. gone on? Uh, not to my. I mean, not beyond the last 10 years. Was it surprising to me? Yes. When I, when I first discovered it, um, investigating the Ruth sent us rallies for lack of a better term. Um, yeah, I was a little blown away, but what really blew me away was, um, the fact that anyone, anyone can set up a protest anywhere in the world for 10 to a hundred dollars a month including pushing out the media, pushing out the social media. Oh, and when I broke this uh, story with Jim Hoft at Gateway Pundit, I um, also had let him know that you also get a whole database of uh, media contacts at a certain level. And that uh, would explain how the coverage is also synced. So, but for that one, what really blew me away was there were only three people that I could find that were at the core of all of those uh, Roe v. Wade uh, related protests, three people, and running it from three different states. Hmm. Are these people active in other areas as well? Oh, yes. Um, you know, one of them, and this was widely reported as four people, one of them turns out to be a, a fake person whose face is actually some English heartthrob daytime television guy. Um, <laughs> So yeah, well, so mm -hmm. one of the one of the people in those protests, uh, in one of those organizers, a very uh, wealthy uh, tech, uh, you know, former tech executive, and she uh, seems to be at the core of it. She also created this fictitious person named Sam Spiegel, and uh, the other one. There's a uh, there was another organizer named Snowden Bishop. She's very active. Uh, she is on Spaces all the time. We actually follow each other for some reason. And um, the last time I saw her space, they were talking about Ukraine and why it's important that we maintain our presence there. And so I haven't really looked that deeply beyond that case. Uh, that was a contracted case. So, But I do want to drill back into it and see what they're all up to now to see if it follows a certain pattern. But what I did notice is they never did take down any of their collection uh, platforms on Open Collective, and on the it's called Collectives on Action Network. It's called Actions. I, I'm surprised the press isn't digging into this. I mean, isn't this sort of a prime story, so to speak, of, of intrigue? And wouldn't it be interesting for any sort of even marginally investigative reporter <laughs> to dig into this a little bit and tell a story? I mean, what what is I going mean, on here? That I feel like you're. I feel like this <laughs> this uh, conversation is breaking news, you know. Uh, and yet you well, broke the story elsewhere, and still no one seems terribly. There's no momentum around it. That's for sure. I mean, we. How much time do you have? I mean, we we've seen the press's coverage on stuff that would have been page one above the seam six years ago, or right. Or if it was Donald Trump, um, I think because all of these organizations all kind of connect to each other. I mean, there's a list of media contacts in all, both of these platforms that are all legacy media. So 
I, I think for whatever reason, they're not covering it, but you know, whatever's going on in journalism right now, that's, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother story that goes deep. I, I want to make sure I hear you. Are, are you saying that they are part of the organizations and that's why they're not covering it? No, they're not part of the organizations, but their politics, they are biased. Uh, you know, most of the legacy, mm -hmm. all of the legacy media seems to be biased. And whoever is sponsoring them, whoever is buying the ads on, say, you know, the larger legacy media sites, I can imagine that they are saying, you're going to cover this this certain way, uh, such as, and just so you know, I mean, on Action Network, BLM is one of their featured clients. Well, it, it, I was going to say, it seems like this sort of thing that uh, helped, uh, th that if BLM wasn't part of this, they did something similar, right? When they, when they developed. Um, they, no, they actually used Action Network to, to get that organized. And, right. and one, my, my question right. when, that, when BLM happened was how'd they get so organized? I mean, it's a... It's a command and control dream. If I was in the back when I was in the military, yeah. if we could get things organized that quickly, that would have been great. So why doesn't uh, the right or the center, the independents, do something similar? That is a great question. That's what I've been, or or even use the existing one. I mean, I hate to you know feed any money into something like that, but I always say you know use the enemy sword if they drop it and it is available to anyone. And I don't think they care really, you know, you could just check it. Yeah. I'm progressive. I mean, what's that mean? It's up to you. But I, yeah, I was saying this myself, like, well, the, the right where conservatives really need something like this. Otherwise they're never going to catch up at a minimum just to counter protest. Has anybody brought, I mean, you know, your wife has a bit of a reach. Naomi, is she uh, taking it to anybody, showing it to anybody, getting any traction, interest from anybody? Um, I can't really speak to that because she's actually so involved with, as you saw in the your, your opener, that she's so involved with the Pfizer documents. There's just, you know, that's, she actually has a similar capability on dailycloud.io uh, called communities. but. Mm. Um, this is, a, you know, that's a, that's a donor-based uh, operation versus this very, very corporate-based operation. Uh, I know Jim Hoft at the Gateway Pundit has put it out, and the post-millennial also covered it as well. But I don't think anyone's talked about, except for myself on Jim Hoff's interview, using it, you know, using, using it the same way they are, uh, using it the same way to raise money, to organize people, to make sure people vote. Right. It's it's all kind of weird and confusing to me that uh, they, they have to be aware of it. I mean, it, I don't know, who knows? Um, all right, it, it, the the origin story of this thing again. Um, it feels like something that uh, Soros would be involved with. Like it'd be odd if he missed this opportunity. Let's put it that way. Uh, are his hands on this? Yeah, there is a connection to the Tides Foundation, which does have ties to, uh, I believe, either Arabella or Open Society, which are both Soros-backed um, organizations. And then even uh, ARC is, uh, you know, the, 
involved there too. I mean, you know, Soros is kind of like Bill Gates. I mean, if you, we could play the drinking game of six degrees to Soros and we'll, we'll find him there. But um, yeah, he's definitely linked to this. And it's, I think on a kind of a darker tone here, what, what scares me about this is chaos in our cities is a very effective tool in war. So if you are going to do something mm. to an enemy, or that's what you're going to do, a, you know, a fifth column of chaos, if you will, you can sit there in your cubicle um, in whatever enemy cubicle farm there is attack in the U.S., and just click a few buttons, run your credit card, and you can start protests all over the world if you want to, simultaneously. Again, I don't understand why other people aren't uh, doing something in the other direction. It's, I, I don't know, maybe there's opportunity there. Media? What's that, Susan? What, what do you mean? Can you hear Susan when she talks? Are you, you're saying the media? Yeah. No, I'm asking why why people with alternative points of view aren't fighting back in a similar way uh, and why things that uh, you know Naomi and I have been talking about for a long time in terms of certain around vaccines and around overreach of government and public health, why people have an organized technique to organize. Why RFK do. Jr. doesn't use it. They do use it. You know, there is a, there is a mentality that I came across um, years ago. I was at the Capitol Hill Club conservative one. So there's, you know, the left and the right Capitol Hill clubs. I happen to be at the Capitol Hill club with a member of parliament, European parliament named Daniel Hannon. And we were talking about this very thing because Obama had raised a ton of money through nickel and dime donations. And that's when that was something new. And I I brought that up. I said, well, Mm. we should do that. And there was this donor there who was very nice, but she was you know, the white pearls, like out of a movie. And she said, I would never do something they're doing. Mm. And, I, mm. you know, there, there's that kind of mentality, but there's also awareness of it too. Mm. If it's not getting covered, people don't know about it. And you're right. I mean, something like this, you know, for all those entrepreneurs out there can make someone on the conservative side, a lot of money and help, you know, balance the scales a little bit. Very odd. Well, the other thing I wanted to talk to you a little bit about and get an update on what's going on with China. I mean, Susan uh, loses sleep for about five days after we talk to you usually. Uh, Is there (laughs) any update on... (laughs) I I mean, since we last spoke, the World Health Organization has come in with this treaty, so-called, where Mm. they essentially want sovereign privilege over all countries and all elected officials in the setting of a new emergency. And this is obviously funded by China. Is is there something really sinister going on there or just misguided? Oh, no. If if it's the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, it's sinister. At least it is to us because they've made it clear, Xi Jinping's made it clear that we are in the way of their global um, dominance. And they're even a danger to the World Economic Forum. My friends will... Fight me on that, but China does not want to share the power with anyone. They will pretend to, but eventually, they're a nationalist mentality. They want the world to be China, and they want to rule it. So, what's going on in, with in, that? Yeah, but, I mean, mm-hmm. when I th- go ahead, go ahead, finish. No, 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 go ahead. 
Well, I was saying that that I I've been thinking a lot about that lately, and I I, I actually um, Elon Musk got me kind of thinking about it because he seems very clement towards China. He thinks we should be engaged with them in biz, our business practices, and I'm thinking, what is going on here? Why is he feeling comfortable? With them, and so the the question that sort of came to mind for me, as it pertains to this very topic that you're you're presenting, mm-hmm. why would they want to destroy their primary market, their primary source of income and sales? I mean, we're it. Why would they want to do that? Well, they want to do that uh, because they can't control um, the American people. I mean, to to really have the dominance China needs and wants. Um, you know, they need a certain mentality and that they're waiting for that next generation. That's why there's so much uh, neo-Marxist type teaching as it, it is involved with the Chinese Communist Party. So why would they do that? You're right. Right now we are uh, their key market. Right now we are. But if you see what they, uh, I'm sure you have, what they're doing with the oil negotiations with uh, Saudi Arabia, uh, the way they were actually building a pipeline with Russia and Ukraine uh, prior to 2018, yes, with Russia and Ukraine. And, um, you know, the thing is, once they have the dominance over the world, then and they can create a system where they're forcing where the spend goes, just like they do with their own people. So, for instance, that social credit system, if you really look at it, that's a system where... If you don't do certain things in society, you can lose points. If you help the old lady cross the street, theoretically, you can gain points, and it's tied to your credit and everything. But you also, if you buy something from Amazon or you uh, Google or Baidu, um, you know, seven years in Tibet, you will definitely lose points. But if you buy something from Alibaba, you gain points. Um, they're on the digital credits. They're on the digital currency system already. And there's only certain things you can buy. So when you have that kind of dominance, you're feeding the money right back into the system. They don't have that with America right now. And I don't know if they think they ever will. Um, best to just kind of get rid of at least the American mentality and America as an identity um, to really subjugate the people of America, which is a it's a tough thing to do because we're we're in chaos with each other so it must be a a nightmare to try to strategize that one out and i think that's the the goal is well i know the goal is by 2049 having that type of global dominance over everything that's interesting i've not uh, ever thought about our conflicted split system right now and our all the extraordinary differences of opinion uh, as our strength against china right yeah, it's it's Weird. it's a strength because there's no uh, group do you, things, so. Do you worry about the digital wallets that the EU just put in place or created? Yeah, I I, I worry about any any time currency or spend is is digital because someone controls those servers and it's certainly not the person with the wallet. Hmm. It's interesting that I, they, the thing that they said that bothered me. They're like, well, now we got to figure out what goes in that wallet, meaning. Oh, cards and and identity cards and you know all all that you know and made social currency cards that that to me seems like one step towards exactly what china would like well china has that in china right now and it's worse because in china the currency actually expires 
So you can never gain independence mm-hmm. by playing by the rules and saving money or anything. And that's it, it can also track you. It could also punish you for voting for the wrong people or hanging out with the wrong people. And it could also keep you from buying anything to ever be independent of the state. And that is the goal of China. And it seems like a lot of our politicians here would love to have that kind of power, very much so. What do you think that is? I I don't understand that delight in wanting to tell other people how to live by American leaders. That that just seems weird to me. And and it was even weirder there's people wanting that. I mean, I just saw it in writ large in California where our governor seemed to delight in shutting everything down and then people welcomed it and then wanted it to keep going. It's just, I, I can't, I can't understand that psychology. No. Um, look, I think a lot of that first comes from ignorance and, and just a lack of education in, in the history of the world. I mean, you can pick up any book on the cultural revolution um, you know, under Mao and you see the exact same events over the last three years play out almost to the letter. Uh, the other one is people yeah. don't really understand what real communism is and how horrible it is. They right. see the kind of fluffy right. Denmark or, you know, those kind of versions of it. So, Yeah, I um, was talking, we talked to Christine Anderson a couple of days ago, you know, the the uh, EU parliament mm-hmm. member that has been fighting against particularly the uh, Earth Health Organization Treaty and whatnot. And, uh, and that, that's where our conversation went very quickly. We went to 1790 France. We went to, uh, turn of the century Russia. We went to later in the century China. I mean, those, those historical mm. cycles that recur and are very predictable and they sort of some, some parts of it at least play out in a very predictable way. People seem totally unaware of it. They, either side, they just, or they, or they accuse Another side of being evidence of it when they don't even know what the evidence is that suggests it's actually going on. You know what I'm saying? It just seems so. Oh, I know what you're saying. Lost in, <laughs> in yeah, they, they just don't seem that they understand the, the history. They haven't studied the history. They don't understand the history. And they just, they know it as empty slogans and they just sort of accuse everybody else of it when they themselves may be the ones doing it. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's classic, classic Marxist tactics. Um, the first one is just to just obliterate the history. There are a lot of historians that refer to it as the People's Republic of Amnesia. And mm. most people under a certain age don't even know about Tiananmen Square in China. Here, I was horrified listening to uh, a true crime podcast or, or just a, a geopolitical podcast a long time ago. And they t- brought someone mentioned 9 11. And this kid who's sounded like, I'm guessing, a graduate at least he's at least 22 23 he's like oh hey what uh, what is that again what is what is 911 wow wow yeah wow i i i have been uh, obsessed with uh pre-revolutionary france for about 10 years because i i could see this coming in the personality styles that were predominating i kept saying there was going to be guillotines and now what people don't understand is if you bring out a guillotine you go on the guillotine eventually even though you're the one that brought yes. it out that that is the that's that is mathematical certainty, but lately mm-hmm. I've found myself uh, reading a lot about Lenin, and I am shocked at how f- modern, you know, uh, how much of the present moment is represented in the stuff he was doing. Oh yeah, oh totally, and right down to the currency and you know everything, and yeah. and not only Lenin, but um, 
recently I've been reading a lot by um, Federalist has a really great journalist named Davida Duffy, and she knows a lot about the Spanish Civil War from the non, mm. um, you know, told history because her people in her family escaped from that, and that is almost mm-hmm. exact. Um, but just reading, I mean, every time I'm reading two books, um, you know, Fahrenheit four. 57 and uh i get the temperature right and um 451 you know the history thank you (laughs) and uh so and then also the um you know anything about uh the 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 cultural revolution the great leap forward i have to put the books down because it's literally like oh yeah i'm reading what's happening oh no yeah i have that exact same experience i'm like oh i i it upsets me too much i can't read it Listen, a little breaker, Brian. I want to bring you back after the after the commercials or after our, we hear from our okay. sponsors, and I want to talk a little bit about the border before I bring Justin in. Uh, but I want to address your hear what your thoughts are about that, what our risks are with that. I mean, it's we can you know we can any of us can just quickly imagine what we might be getting into here. But I'm curious what you think. So Brian O'Shea is with us. Brian, do you want to send people anywhere to find you? Just your Twitter handle, or where would you like people to go? Um, well, I'd like them to go to actually uh, dailyclout.io and just uh, search under um, okay. mostly peaceful or unrestricted invasion to find our video column. Okay. Also, you can follow him on X at, uh, let me see if I get it right. It's Brian O'Shea, S-H-E-A-S-P-I. Is that correct? That is correct. All right. So I said, we're going to hear from the people that support us. Take, listen yeah, carefully. Yeah, a word from our sponsors. Yes, we appreciate them very, very much. And we use them on a regular basis. And we mean what we're saying in these, in these little promotions. So we uh, appreciate you all paying attention. And we'll be back with a little more Brian and then Justin uh, when we return. Thank you. If you're trying to figure out the right present for someone, you will not go wrong with gifting the most comfortable sheets, clothing, and accessories that your friends and family have ever felt. Of course, I'm talking about Cozy Earth. Cozy Earth has the softest and most comfortable sheets, blankets, towels, PJs, joggers, and more guaranteed. Susan and I love them. In fact, we still have Cozy Earth sheets on our bed. I slept in them last night. I was thinking of how great they were. And look at this. I'm wearing one of their super comfortable t-shirts right now. I don't get, I just can't get enough of Cozy Earth. Their sheets are durable, machine washable, and come with a 10-year warranty against defects. So no surprise that Cozy Earth's brand has been featured on Oprah's Favorite Things for five years in a row. Whether it's their luxury pajamas, super soft bedding, loungewear, or plush bath towels, you will love shopping and gift giving at Cozy Earth. Here's my gift to you this holiday season. Go to CozyEarth.com, enter code DREW to save 40%. That's CozyEarth.com with code DREW. CozyEarth.com, code DREW, save 40%. These products have transformed my life and Susan's and saved her marriage. Discover the key to oral hygiene, regardless of your current daily dental routine. Whether you diligently brush and floss multiple times a day or you struggle, you got bleeding gums, bad breath, plaque buildup, this revelation is for both of you. Surprisingly, over 350,000 Americans experience health issues that may be connected to their toothbrush or even caused by it, ranging from heart or blood sugar problems, forgetfulness, digestive difficulties, immune issues, all related to oral hygiene. Scientific studies have shown that a simple switch of your toothbrush can lead to a healthier teeth and potentially save your marriage. Yes, 
Save Your Marriage, our study. We did a personal study. My wife, Susan, hates the sound of the sonic toothbrushes, but introducing the real white sonic toothbrush, of course, also their hydroxyapatite dirty mouth mineral toothpaste by Primal Life Organics, these products have transformed my life and Susan's and saved her marriage. It's much quieter. It's a very powerful toothbrush, but it is quiet and it saved our marriage. So, the Real White Sonic Toothbrush from Primal Life Organics stands out among all other electric toothbrushes I've tried. It effectively eliminates plaque, harmful bacteria, promotes gum health. Get yours and enjoy 60% off at naturaltoothbrush.com slash DREW. I think everyone knows the next medical crisis could be just around the corner, whether it comes in the form of another pandemic or something much more routine like a tick bite. You and your family need to be prepared. That's where the wellness company comes in. You know the wellness company. We have their physicians on like Dr. McCullough frequently. The wellness company and their doctors are medical professionals you can trust. And their new medical emergency kits are the gold standard when it comes to keeping you safe and healthy. It's really, it's a safety net. It's an insurance policy yeah, absolutely. that you hope you're not going to need. But if you need it, you sure as heck are going to wish you had it if you need it. Be ready for anything. This medical emergency kit contains an assortment of life-saving medications, including ivermectin, z the medical emergency kit provides a guidebook to aid in the safe use of all these life-saving medications. From anthrax to tick bites to COVID-19, the wellness company's medical emergency kit is exactly what you need to have on hand to be prepared. Rest assured, knowing that you have emergency antibiotics, antivirals, and antiparasitics on hand to help you and your family stay safe from whatever life throws at you next. Go to drdrew.com slash TWC. That is drdrew.com forward slash TWC to get 10% off today. Just click on that link. Yeah, the T TWC is going to help me with my initiative to try to put more control of healthcare in the hands of patients. I, I really, there's so many things that could be directly in your hands where you don't have to go to the hospital, the urgent care, even contact a doctor. There's ways to do this. There's a lot of things that can be done more efficiently. I've been saying for a long time that the most effective unit in, a, in healthcare is a well-trained caring physician and a motivated, informed patient. The physician part, we've been fighting to break three to represent the patients and to have our autonomy, and we have lost. We must run up the white flag. We have, lo we, we have lost, and we must start to put more in the hands of the patients, find creative ways to do that. And the wellness company is is uh, committed to help me do that. So Can I give a shout out? Go ahead. Can I give a shout out? Go ahead. Yeah, I hear you. You're on. Okay. Hi, Jeff. So, thank you. Thank you. We can't hear Susan. By the way. Oh, they can't hear you now. They don't hear your mic's off, apparently. Your mic is actually off. Here we go. Give her a second. This Come is on. this is her. Oh, you can see you now, too. Yeah. This is fantastic. Nice. There, there you go. Okay, good. This so, is nice. Uh, you're in a cool studio. But go right I, ahead. I haven't figured out how to use the mic yet. Uh, so go to drdrew.com slash sponsors to get all the links for the holidays. Uh, we have uh, Cyber Friday coming up, or Cyber Monday, and Black Friday, and Christmas around the corner. Get your loved ones a toothbrush. And there's and, a bunch uh, of discounts coming with that, yeah, right? Yeah, use our discounts because it's, they're great gifts. And um, some help through the wellness company. Yep. Genucel. 
Okay, thank you. Well, Cozy Earth, yeah, we we uh, oh yeah we love our sponsors and appreciate your support. Paleo Valley, we got to get that the greens thing. Uh, people are not people need to get the greens with their with their bone broth. We're using this stuff all the time, so okay, check out Paleo Valley. Okay, uh, Brian O'Shea is with me. I want to finish with before we bring uh, Justin Goodman in here uh, from the White Coat Waste org. Uh, so talk to me about the border and what your fears are there. I, I'm imagining this is where I'm going to lose sleep. Uh, <clears throat> I, I aim to please. Um, unfortunately, the border is a, <laughs> it's a total nightmare. Um, I'm fortunate now to be co-hosting uh, my own show with J.J. Carroll, who is a retired 24-year veteran of the southern border. And what I've learned from him mm. and our knowledge of my knowledge of the Middle East, his of the border coming together is it is a stuff of nightmares. So here's what we have right now. We have that we know of at least over 25,000 fighting aged uh, men from the people's Republic of China have come through the border. Mm. But here's how they come through. They come through the Darien gap. And then they end up in the Bahamas by flight mm. and they're buying boats and landing on our shores, buying boats. I don't mm. think they're escaping from financial prosecution if they're buying boats. And this is a regular thing mm. that has largely gone unreported. That's terrifying enough. The other thing that uh, just two weeks ago, we reported that two men had been uh, detained at the border. One of them is Abdul Kayum Musafar. This guy was born in 1963. He's from Afghanistan. He is a senior ISIS, formerly Al Qaeda uh, commander. Like this is, you know, and if mm. you're if you were born in 1963, being in those groups, and you're still alive and showing up on our border, you're a pretty tough hombre. Uh, he has arrived. He uh, was detained two weeks ago and. According to JJ's sources, he has been released into our country. Um, another uh, mm. guy that came through is a El Haj General Habib Habibullah um, Ahmad sorry Ahmad Zai, who is the former. He used to be basically working directly for uh, President Ghani of Afghanistan. And he has arrived now and was also detained and released. And so what I was talking about, you know, with um, JJ and, and, and our audience, it, and it hit me when JJ told me they released these guys. He said, what do you think this means? And I said, well, I know when there's something bad about to happen in, on a military level or a paramilitary level, the foot soldiers with the intelligence arrives first followed by special operators to take down the bridges, take down the communications or cause chaos. Then in comes like the foot soldiers, the last people to arrive before something big is going to happen. I'm not saying I have any intel that says there is, but the last people to arrive are the generals. And to me, it looks like mm -hmm. the generals have arrived. Is is there any chance the government knows about this or is monitoring these guys? And and if not, how is that possible? Well, they they have to know about them because the government came and picked them up. They detained uh, them. They would definitely yeah, know who they are. Them. 
they detained them. And, you know, the sec, both of these guys are on their, you know, one was on Interpol. They're certainly in our databases, but you know, another troubling thing is that after 2012, 2013, it seems like the U S intelligence community shifted away from counterterrorism, like just shifted away from mm. it. And that's from multiple people I've talked to and I've heard. So I don't know why that is, but it doesn't bode well for us because it tells me, you know, we may have some enemies within here. Mm. I, somebody floated a theory I wanted to ask you about. It's, it's not specifically related to this topic. It's peripherally related that he wondered whether the CIA was involved with the Mexican cartels in a sort of Oliver North uh, Contra affair uh, and in, in some manner benefiting from what the uh, cartels are doing, including helping monitor these, these invaders. Is there, is it, is there anything like that or where they're shunting money to other, because of what's going on with the cartels are able to shunt money to an ally or something. Is there anything of that nature in your mind going on? Is that a possibility? I mean, yeah, it's certainly a possibility. And, you know, I think you're referring to the MENA case, uh, MENA, Arkansas, where, where all that started. Um, I, I'll say this, what I, what I do know is that when the CIA operates um, in different countries, they have their own thing going. Okay, so for instance, I was asked mm. to um, consult on a film about that uh, yeah, uh, uh, about that situation in Arkansas called American Made, and originally they thought, okay, the CIA is working with the DEA and all this, and they don't. I mean, they kind of always do their own thing, and they have their own um, directives that they're following. So yeah, it's definitely possible. Um, but again, CIA is not law enforcement. They are an intelligence gathering service. And so right. if they're doing something, it's not going to be to, to stop people coming in. It's going to be for whatever strategic directive they're operating under. Right. In other words, it could be not obvious to us what the final benefit is from an intelligence standpoint. Would that be safe to say? Yeah, I think that's a safe way to put it. Just like your your example's great. Yeah. Um they they were yeah. parallel to what was going on, but they you know, it was opportunistic for them. Yeah. Well, Brian, uh I shall uh toss and turn a bit for a few nights yet having spoken with you. I appreciate it uh, that but I'm yeah. good glad to know you're on the job and raising awareness about these things. Is there anything before I let you go we need to do in so far as the uh, what, what's, I've already forgotten the name of the organization that is the organizing the, what is their name? The action. Oh, Network. action is there Network. anything we need to do about them or yeah. Is there anything we need to do about good, that? Is there, we just all just sort of go ahead. Find a way to copy what's working, whether it's the enemy doing it or not, or your enemy, whoever's enemy is their enemy. But, uh, you know, if it's working, do it. And even if you have to use that, or, uh, or you, you know, can use their service. It. Use their service themselves. Use their service. Use the very thing exactly. they're using, as you said. Yeah, pick up their, if they leave the sword, pick up the sword. Yeah, and I'll just say this. I mean, when I was, um, you know, I was in special forces units as an intelligence guy, we trained not only with like NATO weapons, we trained with all the world's weapons. So we knew we could pick one up and use it if we had to. 
And everyone should have that same mentality. It doesn't make you them to use their weapon, just like it doesn't make Action Network bad. It's the people that use it and how they use it that make it good or bad. I don't know if they're good or bad, but that's, you know, it's a tool. And I would encourage people to use it. Ryan Ryan O'Shea, thank you so much. Tell them again where you want them to go. Uh, Again, go to dailyclout.io. And uh, I do want to say, actually, um, if I may, uh, today is the publication date of Naomi Wolf's new book. um, And it is called Facing Ah. the Beast. I recommend people get it. The other thing I want to say is her birthday is this weekend and happy birthday to my lovely, lovely love Mm. of my life. Uh, We say the same thing to her. Happy birthday, Naomi. Tell, tell really quickly, what will they, what motivate them to read the book? What are they going to find in there? Oh, well that, that book is a collection of essays and everything all written by Naomi all through the pandemic. Really, really, um, you know, kind of narrating both the personal and the different stories that kind of motivated her along the way to, to land in the center of this fight. And, um, Really, I think it's a great way for people to get to know her and realize that you know, this woman is operating with a big heart and a pure soul. And um, you know, hopefully it inspires people to do whatever they can. I mean, one of her motivations was my As, son and keeping him safe. So, Oh. But the, that, that uh, desire, has she has always operated that way. And uh, that, that's what I've she, learned about her. Yep. It, 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 always. It, you're not listening. It can look like she's taking on different fights, but it's really the same fight across the board. And uh, it it, really I is. told her when she was telling me about this book that it's it's important history. She's documenting important history here, and so it'll be a very important book, I think. So, Ryan, thank you so much. Thank you very much. It cracks, it, you it got cracks it. me up because he's telling us all this horrible news, mm-hmm. and he does it in such a calm voice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I know. it just makes me so nervous because it's like, are you guys listening? What do you say? <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. I noticed that too. He does it too. in such a calm voice. I know. He's so matter but of it, fact about the whole thing. Okay, so here we go. We're going to now bring in Justin Goodman. And Justin has got a few topics I want to get into. Uh, let me get you the particulars on Justin to make sure you go uh, find him. He's at whitecoatwaste.org on social media, also at White Coat Waste, and that wasted, of course, W-A-S-T-E. And uh, just welcome Justin Goodman to the program. Thanks for having me, Drew. Hi, Justin. Big fan. Thank you. You, you bet. Th- thank you for being here. So I want to start with the National Institute of Health director, which was recently confirmed. What are your concerns there? A lot of people objected to this, uh, this new person, and uh, tell us what your concerns are. Yeah, this week, Monica Bertignoli, the uh, new uh, new NIH director, was nominated. Uh, 36 no votes, including Bernie Sanders uh, and 35 Republicans, including our friend Rand Paul, Joni Ernst, other members we work with closely. And listen, she's another animal abusing big government bureaucrat who's shown really bad judgment and is bound to make the same mistake as, as her predecessor, uh, Francis Collins and people like Anthony Fauci. She told Rand Paul Uh, in hearing questions that she supports gain-of-function research, like the animal experiments in Wuhan that the FBI and the Department of Energy and others believe caused the COVID pandemic. She supports sending more money to labs in China, animal experimentation labs in China, for the kinds of experiments that caused COVID. She supports sending money to animal labs in Russia uh, and other foreign countries. 
And she's fine with the fact that there's absolutely no oversight of what's going on in these foreign laboratories, in addition to many other troubling positions she has. Um, she's also gotten $200 million in grants from the NIH over the years. So she is totally entrenched, and we can expect more of the same bad policies that likely caused COVID uh, and destroyed public, you know, global health and the global economy for the last three or four years. Do we know what her training is? What what her clinical background is? I hope to God there's some at least. She's yeah, she's a, right a surgeon and an, she's a surgeon and an oncologist. Uh, done lots of animal experimentation, which is a big surgeon. concern of ours. Yeah, she was at uh, Brigham and Women's uh, in Massachusetts for a long time, and then she's been for about the last year. She's been the director of the National Cancer Institute. So she was at the NIH for less than a year before she was nominated to be the head of the National Institutes of Health. Uh, and again, there were a lot of serious concerns raised about her qualifications. Bernie Sanders was concerned about the fact that she wouldn't agree to rein in drug prices. Uh, and there were a lot of concerns about, mm. again, these bad policies related to dangerous ex animal experiments that can cause pandemics both abroad and here on U.S. soil. I mean, there's labs in the United States that are supercharging coronaviruses and other incurable viruses like Ebola and Lhasa and Nipah uh, and things that could wipe us all out, things with 50% fatality rates. Uh, and we're bringing them from foreign countries right onto U.S. soil and manipulating them in laboratories. And it's a recipe for disaster. And she supports that. Well, tell, tell me about that. I, I understand there's sort of a, an updated bat story. Is that correct? How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Yeah, so uh, our organization was the first one to tie the National Institutes of Health in early 2020 to what was happening in Wuhan, to the Wuhan lab. We documented through the Freedom of Information Act how Anthony Fauci's division at the NIH had sh secretly shipped tax dollars to the Wuhan Institute of Virology, which is a virology lab in China run by the Chinese Communist Party, uh, to go into bat caves in southern China, collect these wild bat viruses, bring them back into the laboratory, and then intentionally soup them up and supercharge them so they were more contagious and more virulent, virulent to human beings. We obtained emails actually exchanged between the NIH and the experimenters in Wuhan where they rewrote the definition of gain of function essentially to allow those dangerous experiments to take mm. place even though the Obama administration had banned them at the time. So they were shipping this money over there. They were breaking federal policy that was preventing those experiments from taking place. Really, they shouldn't have been taking place anywhere, but they rewrote the definition. And then we found the documents that tied COVID's likely patient zero to that laboratory. 
Ben Hu, COVID's likely patient mm. zero, as documented by the Wall Street Journal and others, was the lead experimenter in that laboratory working with humanized mice and these supercharged bat coronaviruses. Now we found evidence through the Freedom of Information Act showing that a year before the pandemic, a Fauci-run lab in Montana, right here in the United States, was importing coronaviruses from China uh, and then rounded up bats from a decrepit, shady roadside zoo in Maryland. This is a true story. They rounded up a dozen Egyptian fruit bats from a zoo in Maryland, brought them to this NIH laboratory in Montana overseen by Anthony Fauci and infected them with the coronavirus from the Wuhan lab back in 2018. So the NIH, listen, I think we've just only seen the tip of the iceberg when it comes to what the NIH has been doing with these dangerous viruses in China uh, and certainly abroad. And they're trying to do more of this right now in the United States. They're trying to set up more of these bat laboratories here in the U.S. and repeat the same mistakes that led us to the point we are now caused the COVID pandemic. And now they have an NIH director who's perfectly happy to facilitate that and waste more tax money and put American lives and lives around the country at risk. But you know what? What have we killed 25 million have, people with COVID? Did she explain why they, they want to do this? Was there, was there a defense at least of, of what she had in mind for this research? Yeah, she the company line, which is that uh, manipulating mm. pot potential pandemic pathogens is going to help prevent another pandemic. But even the head Gerald Park mm. from Gerald Parker from Texas A and M, who's the head of the federal committee that oversees gain of function experiments, told the congressional committee last month, a uh, bipartisan committee had a hearing. The select committee on the COVID pandemic had a hearing. They asked him to come and speak about gain of function research and oversight. And he said that it's completely unnecessary to do this supercharging of pandemic viruses to prevent a pandemic. There is not a single example in history where gain-of-function experiments have predicted or prevented a pandemic. The only example we have is that it actually caused one in Wuhan. What has this happened is big to business. the conversation you know, the, about? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. What, what has happened to the? Uh, virus the coronavirus or you know covid-19 origin story it seems like it was uh it, it comes in these these waves um is it just now that people have accepted it's from the lab or i i don't quite understand what the state of that argument is or that discussion well i think there's only one side of the aisle unfortunately that really wants accountability uh democrats have resisted it left and right um and remember, Obama was the one who banned gain-of-function experiments because he was worried it could cause a pandemic. Joe mm -hmm. Biden was the vice president. Mm -hmm. um, and then Donald Trump came and, you know, people lost their minds a little bit. But um, people like Rand Paul, people like James Comer, people like Kathy McMorris Rogers, Republicans in Congress, have been pushing for answers to get accountability about COVID origins. And actually next week, uh, Peter Daszak, who is the head of EcoHealth Alliance, this is the New York nonprofit that sent the tax dollars and worked with the Wuhan lab. Um, he mm -hmm. will be testifying under oath to uh, the congressional to a House committee uh, ref, uh, following a subpoena about what he knows about the COVID origin. So, you know, I think there are things we're not going to be able to get answers to because we were shipping money to a lab run by the Chinese Communist Party. And they've destroyed data right. and disappeared people who knew answers. That's all documented. So I think there's some things we may not ever know, but what 
but Peter Daszak probably knows more than anybody about what actually happened in Wuhan. Do you think he'll and actually and, be open? Uh, I don't know. Uh, it remains to be seen. I think mm. that we really don't know what his involvement in this type of experimentation was. I mean, he had access to lots of different countries around the world where it's difficult to get yourself in and get connections with government agencies. I think there's questions about why the DOD has been funding Peter Daszak's experiments on animals and virus hunting for so long. Right. Um, I, you know, and what his involvement with the intelligence community was. So I think it's going to be very interesting to see, um, you know, what the committee gets out of him. I also think, you know, there's Anthony Fauci commit repeatedly committed felonies by testifying under oath to Rand Paul in Congress saying that the NIH under Fauci did not fund gain of function experiments in Wuhan. And the NIH has since uh, admitted that, explicitly admitted that they funded experiments that supercharged coronaviruses in the Wuhan Institute of Virology in violation of the federal ban that was in place. But Fauci told House committees and Senate committee repeatedly under oath that he didn't. Now, Rand Paul has referred him to the DOJ for prosecution for perjury, which is a felony. Um, so again, I don't expect the Biden DOJ to prosecute Anthony Fauci, but in a year's time, we might have, you know, we might elect a different president and in which case we can expect some accountability. But right now with the split Congress and the Biden administration in the White House, I think it's going to be hard to hold people like Francis Collins and Anthony Fauci and Peter Daszak accountable, even if they get, you know, even if we can do something in the House, we're going to need the DOJ to take action to, you know, lock up people who might have knowingly been involved in the causing a pandemic that's killed 25 million people. Uh, I also know your organization is very concerned about experimentation on mammals, particularly cats and dogs. I'm going to give you a chance to tell me about that. And I'm curious what the alternative is that you're suggesting. Yeah, thanks. Uh, yeah, so people who are not familiar with White Coat Waste Project, we're a government watchdog group, and we're specifically focused on the $20 billion a year that taxpayers are forced to pay for wasteful and cruel experiments on animals. About 100 million animals are experimented on in labs each year in the United States, dogs, cats, primates, bats, other animals. Uh, and, you know, cancer, where we're talking about the new NIH director, you know, one of the reasons why I think we should have no faith in her as a leader, uh, she's shown really bad judgment. You know, cancer is a great example of where 95% of drugs that pass animal tests, 95% uh, specifically of cancer drugs that pass animal tests and are safe and effective fail in human trials because either they, they're ineffective, they don't work, or they're actually toxic and dangerous to people and in some cases kill them. Um, and this is an incredible waste of taxpayer dollars in addition to being incredibly cruel. I mean, these are experiments where animals are being, dogs are being debarked, force-fed experimental drugs, burned, shot, blown up. I mean, the list goes on. So in terms of alternatives, there's technologies out there now that better predict human outcomes when testing for if efficacy and toxicology with drugs. Uh, things like the uh, organs on a chip that were developed at Harvard University um, that are the size of your thumb and they are miniature, miniaturized human organs and you can model diseases in them and test the efficacy and safety of drugs in them. And uh, comparative studies show that they're more accurate. Uh, they save time. They save years of wasteful research on animals. That's usually a dead end and wrong. They're less expensive, and obviously they're more humane. I and mean, this is a great bipartisan issue. That's what's great about our organization uh, is, you know, we work with, you know, the Freedom Caucus to the squad and everyone in between 
on these issues. And it's really a way to unite folks on Capitol Hill and unite folks who on Main Street who are even divided about a lot of things in this country right now. This is something that's bringing people together and we've been able to get a lot done to modernize research, prevent government waste and prevent animal cruelty. Is there a literature out there on these alternative uh, experimental methodologies? Yeah, extensive, extensive. I mean, it's not a new idea. I mean, we, you could go back to the 80s and some of these technologies were starting to be developed back then, but they've really hit their stride now. Um, part of the problem is, you know, government red tape. The private sector pharmaceutical companies are already relying on these technologies because they're more efficient. I mean, drug companies are interested in getting a product to the market as quick as possible. They don't care if they have to do animal testing or not. And in fact, they prefer not to because it's controversial and very expensive. And they're embracing these technologies that are more efficient. The problem is that there's bureaucrats at the FDA and these other agencies who've been looking at animal testing data for 30 years, and they're uncomfortable with any kind of new idea that might you know, upset the apple cart, cost them a job, uh, and upset a bureaucracy that's been in place for a long time. So a lot of the job we do is working to cut red tape. And, you know, one of the things we did last year was working with Rand Paul to get rid of the 1938 law that forced drug companies to test on animals, even when they didn't need to, and they didn't want to. So now drug companies have more freedom to use whatever technologies they see fit to get safe and effective drugs to humans instead of poisoning puppies, which is literally the standard right now. They take hundreds of beagle puppies, they stick a tube down their throat, and they pump their stomachs full of massive doses of experimental drugs that are 10 or 100 times larger than a human would ever ingest, and actually tells you literally nothing about what a human response would be. It's just to check a box on a form for the FDA. Uh, and it's got to stop. Again, whether you're, are, you know, or you're a liberty lover are, or an animal lover, any? this is something that unites a lot of people. Are there any technologies that you are that are uh, you know sort of on the horizon that you're excited about? Well, I think organs on a chip are kind of the cutting edge right now, and what they're trying to do right now, you know, they have a lung on a chip, a liver on a chip, and they're developing one for each organ system, so eventually they can unite them and have a fully functioning, you know, organ system, a fully functioning organ system that touches everything, and you could put a drug through there. Right now, that that hasn't been done. Um, you know, our work is primarily focused on not only cutting the government's involvement in this, you know, we're not an anti-animal testing organization. We believe the private sector should fund these things. If, if, you know, the Gates Foundation or pharmaceutical companies want to pay for this, let them, you know, let them have at it. But it's incredibly wasteful. It's incredibly expensive. And taxpayers who overwhelmingly oppose this shouldn't be forced to pay for it. And I can guarantee you that most of the wasteful experiments that the government is funding right now, no one in their right mind would pay for it unless they were being forced to do it. So I think, you know, getting the government out of the animal mm -hmm. testing business is really our goal. Got it. I'm hearing kinds of exciting things about yeast and big data. and There's just all kinds of ideas out there flying around. And so the, this, this field is going to really change in the next 20 years sort of on its own. Um, so I, it's something very interesting to me. Uh, is there anything else you guys are working on, Justin? Uh, well, you know, going back to the beginning of our discussion, we're working right now on the NIH spending bill for yep. 2024, and we've got a lot of important amendments in that bill to defund things like gain of function experimentation in the United States. This is, you know, supercharging 
viruses to make them more dangerous to humans. We're working on defunding that, cutting off EcoHealth Alliance. EcoHealth Alliance, despite probably causing COVID, has gotten $50 million in new grants and contracts just since the pandemic started. They're still going around the world hunting viruses and bringing them into laboratories and tinkering with them. We got to stop that. And we've got an amendment to defund dog testing and cat testing at the NIH. Um, the dog and cat testing amendment is one of only 10 amendments out, over, out of over 300 that were submitted for the NIH spending bill that were actually bipartisan. Um, so again, we, you know, we're, we're hopeful that some of these things will make it to the president's desk and get signed into law. I do. I don't want them tinkering with the virus, but I do want them monitoring the viruses. So I, I please don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Well, the problem is, is that what they're doing is going into remote places of the world where the humans basically never go. And they're taking viruses that exist in nature, which is inevitable that it's going to happen. And they're bringing them into laboratories. And it's two sides, you know, it's two sides of the same coin, whether you're doing biosurveillance or bioweapons development. And I don't think it's made made clear that the United States has not been involved in bioweapons development or that those things couldn't fall into the wrong hands. Right. And if you look at the history, you know, the lab sure. in Montana that was experimenting on Zubats recently, they have a history of bioweapons development for the DOD going back to the 1950s. Uh, and I think that's, you know, one of the reasons people like Peter Daszak and Anthony Fauci have been so tight-lipped is because I think their, their work might have touched that. I mean, as far back as 2002, Anthony Fauci was saying he had a top security, you know, a a top security, a top secret security clearance. Now, why would Anthony Fauci need a top secret yeah. security clearance unless he was involved with something like that? Well, he he was actually a a part of the Department of, of Defense, right? I mean, he was a, he was a major administrator within that department from the like was, science side. That was very odd. Yeah, post post nine eleven, he was kind of uh, deputized and his division of the NIH was kind of created as a bio, you know, funded heavily all of a sudden as a kind of biodefense mm -hmm. arm of the DOD within the mm -hmm. NIH. And that's why, that's how we end up with these scary programs where you're shipping tax dollars to foreign countries with literally no oversight and hoping for the best. The bureaucracy is just one tale of unintended consequence after another. It's just, uh, especially when it comes to health, just it just isn't the right kind of an organization for them. Well, listen, uh, Justin, where would you like people to go to find out more? At whitecoatwaste.org on all the social media platforms and whitecoatwaste.org is our webpage. You can join our campaigns, get involved, take action, contact Congress, and help hold people like Anthony Fauci accountable. Should we follow you somewhere? Uh, Justin R. Goodman on Twitter. I'm on there every day sharing news updates about our campaigns and stuff about lab leak, COVID origins. So it seems like it's not something you're interested in. If other folks are, follow me on there. Great. Thank you so much, Justin. Appreciate you being here. Thanks. Oh, oh, oh. oh wait, sure. wait. Susan has something for you. And wait, Brian wait, wait. wants to wait. get his information because he wants to do. Can you hear Susan, everybody? He wants to talk to him about 11 labs doing active bat research in the States. Who wants, oh, oh Brian, Brian wants to talk to him? So, so Brian O'Shea, who I just spoke to you before, wants to get your information so we can talk about some of this material. He's, uh, it'd be interesting putting two, your two heads together. That'd be very interesting. So should, what yeah, should you do? I'd email you, Susan, or? Yeah, or, or should just put them together? 
Yeah, Emily can, or he could hit me up on okay. Twitter, Justin R. Goodman. Um, Justin at whitecoatwaste.org is my email address and can reach out right. to me. And we actually have a story breaking tomorrow about how EcoHealth and Fauci's NIH division are trying to set up a new bat lab in the United States with bats shipped from Asia. Uh, so keep an eyes, keep your eyes peeled on our social media at whitecoatwaste.org for that story. There you go. All right. Thank you so much, Justin. Appreciate it. Thanks, Drew. You got it. And and Susan, I'm not sure if they hear you or not when you're talking. Is your mic on? They're hearing you? Okay. Um, Emily's going to take care of that. She's going to put them together, of course. There you are. And uh, this is our last day in Austin for a few weeks. And we thank uh, the studios, the Sound Sound, sound shed. shed Studios for helping us out in, in our hour of need. Yeah, yeah, this is working out. We're going to be back here again. The end of no November. doubt. Get get Susan up there. We I'd just... rather look at her than me. Thank <laughs> you very much. There you are. Yeah. And so, Hi, everybody. And, and so, uh, oh, there's a camera. Sorry. Yeah. I'm not good on camera. I'm just not in the mood. You know what I mean? I, uh, it's not my thing. But um, this is my mic. <laughs> this is how I turn it on. <laughs> no, it's a beautiful studio. He's got a camera in every corner. Yeah. This is uh, ideas for our studio. For those of you from your mom's house, this was uh, any. This was, well, he did a lot of the studios in Austin here, and uh, Annie was the one that sent us to Matt, and we were grateful for that. And uh, and we'll be back in your new semi. Will it be all new when we start on Tuesday, or will yeah, it be just well, sort of mostly new? We, oh, did I turn it off? No, you're on. You're like now. You're I'm off. Still on. Yep. Okay. So we have a new floor in our studio, yeah. and we have some new angles, and we're going to be setting up some new cameras and lights, and we are going to in studio. Oh, oh, okay. That'll be fun. And it should it should be nice coming along. I, I can't, we occasionally get requests from people who want to be uh, in studio, so we will uh, we can take advantage of that now. So that'll be interesting. I'm um, watching on the restream. There's lots of um, you know, they, you look great, Susan. Types Might actually comment. look a lot like this place. So it's weird because I bought the same backdrops, and then we came in here, and I went, oh, I have so, this backdrop. There it is. Yeah, and um, uh, somebody just asked, did. Uh, I uh, just really say uh, Bat Lab in America. Tonetta said that. Yes, that is what he said. So that'll be, we'll be looking for that story tomorrow. Uh, let me see what you guys are doing over on the rants and rumble. We'll be out of here very soon. Uh, shoot. Where yeah, is... he sent me a link to a rumble.com link for um, Words That Matter, a modern day book club. Uh, they think about a global that lab so head on over to rumble mm. words that matter okay yeah how about the Brian isolated O'Shea. proof of the isolated virus paxlovid i don't know what you mean by that the ice how about the proof of the isolated virus paxlovid don't know what that means but uh, my enthusiasm for paxlovid is waning with the 1300 price tag they put on it now uh, there's, we're gonna have to try other things first because I'm not gonna force patients. To, I mean, they just won't be able to pay that kind of money for for the for the medicine. And there was an article just today where they interviewed multiple uh, science and clinical leaders from around the country, around the world, actually. And certainly in this country, there is absolute, complete consensus that the current variant of co coronavirus of COVID-19 is a cold. Uh, so the use of any of these things is sort of questionable. I mean, why would we be using two very powerful antivirals for a cold? Uh, so keep an eye on things. Uh, it, it appears to have uh, morphed to that, you know, 
variant that is, first of all, it's we're three variants away from the XBB.1.5, which is what the booster was designed for. So it's not at all clear that you'll be covered by this present booster. Uh, but you're taking something that causes a cold. And I, I don't usually treat colds with medication because or whether it's a vaccinating med medication or a therapeutic medication, because the probability of hurting you is higher than the probability of the problem hurting you, the infection hurting you. Whatever. What, I'm not talking just about COVID-19. I'm talking about any situation where an illness is mild and I start opening my prescription pad. I'm only likely to, I'm only likely to, to hurt people because the illness is not going to hurt you. So uh, it's, I, it's funny. I say that all the time with the uh, you know, patients that people get with normal hearts and young people. It's like, the, if I open my prescription pad and give you a medicine, that is more likely to harm you than the palpitations. Though, I will tell you that palpitations are kind of different these days in that uh, a lot of people are having various kinds of rhythm disturbances associated with COVID and with the vaccine. So it's no longer the old days. In the old days, when somebody had palpitations, they were 25 years old, I would just, you know, to worry about it. Don't, don't, don't stop it. I could reassure them completely. Now I have to do a big workup for myocarditis. Uh, same thing is true of sudden deaths. When people, when a young person died suddenly, throughout my career, I knew for sure 99 probability drug addict overdose. Now, we're seeing a lot of other things. Now, I don't know if those other things are just being reported more often than not. It doesn't seem like it. We're going to talk to Ed Dowd. Is it the week after next? Uh, Caleb, if you could put up our schedule uh, going forward here. I know Ed's... Ooh, my favorite. I know. As Susan loves having Ed Dowd. I love so, uh, Pascal will be in here on Tuesday. Okay. And that was for what day? Not confirmed. The following Check Tuesday? Check in on it. Let's see. Uh, okay. Let's, I'm, I'm double checking on it. Pascal's in here at noon. Okay, on November 14th, which is Tuesday, he'll be here on, we'll be here on noon with Pascal because he's calling from another country. Dr. Victory on the 15th, Michelle Bachman on the 16th, that's Thursday at normal time, three o'clock, to discuss the World Health Organization Treaty uh, and the, the uh, ongoing struggle there. And uh, yeah, do follow the show. Do check us out at doctor.tv. Do please support the people that support us. We appreciate it very much. Uh, and I was... Uh, oh, Emily Barsh is going to tell you about Ed Dowd very quickly here. Uh, and, and please do um, uh, follow, you know, support the people to support us. We appreciate that very much. And, and uh, if you need a studio in, uh, near Austin, we have the sound shed. Yeah. Uh, December 6th now is Ed. December 6th, which is a couple weeks down the line. So it is not on the 21st. Just a little tidbit of information. The guy that owns the studio helped Rogan build his so Joe Rogan, he's famous. He's famous. So if you need any help with your studio? He's the guy. Thank you, Matt. I am, uh, want to talk about our friends at, uh, Paleo Valley and their super green product, uh, super green, raw green, superfood powder. Check it out. Take that in the morning with your bone broth. These are great great ways to get your day started low calorie, high, de highly dense nutrient nutrient-rich uh, supplements. So check that out. Okay, so uh, we will leave that, leave things here for now. 
And we will be back with you at Tuesday at noon, different time, uh, and then back to our usual oh, schedule. Studios we'll back be together. back <laughs> in California. Hopefully, Susan's, Come on, God. Hopefully, Susan's studio will be back together. And uh, we will see you then. Thank you, for, thank you for joining us. Ask Dr. Drew is produced by Caleb Nation and Susan Pinsky. As a reminder, the discussions here are not a substitute for medical care, diagnosis, or treatment. This show is intended for educational and informational purposes only. I am a licensed physician, but I am not a replacement for your personal doctor, and I am not practicing medicine here. Always remember that our understanding of medicine and science is constantly evolving. Though my opinion is based on the information that is available to me today, some of the contents of this show could be outdated in the future. Be sure to check with trusted resources in case any of the information has been updated since this was published. If you or someone you know is in immediate danger, don't call me, call 911. If you're feeling hopeless or suicidal, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255. You can find more of my recommended organizations and helpful resources at drdrew.com help. The parallel economy has empowered us to care for our health, well-being, as well as longevity. Likewise, for us pet parents who now have a place to go when it comes to keeping the family dogs, cats, even horses in the best shape possible. As a dog dad, I'm thrilled to be working with Pet Club 24-7, a company founded by two guys who lost dogs to serious conditions, including cancer. Pet Club 24-7 has an incredible array of products, including a line of supplements for humans, such as the Inforce Plus Corollius Versicolor and Inforce Corollius Versicolor with Reishi. My friend and colleague, Christina Ferrari, a cancer survivor herself, swears by it. When I was diagnosed, the doctor in the emergency room told me, you have two years to live. Oh, boy. Along with the stem cell, I took these. I have been in remission for eight years now. For dogs, mush puppy treats are a fan favorite. Rex, went, oh, boy. <laughs> he came right. Oh, there he is. They are also made with the Coriolis Versicolor Mushroom, which supports their immune system, according to hundreds of clinical studies. Here's Kristen Ludlow, National Vice President. That strain does matter. We do have the most potent strain, and we also extract it in a proprietary way. And that's why we've been having such wonderful experiences with these products. Mush puppies are made here in the U.S. There are no fillers. It's not addicting. Your dog can't accidentally overdose. Go to drdrew.com slash petclub247 for discount off the list price. That is drdrew.com. P-E-T-C-L-U-B-247, Pet Club 247.